and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Talk Bible to Me podcast. Before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge Emily's wonderful husband who's in the room, Matt Richardson in the house. Whoop, whoop. Sneaking out the back door. He said, Emily, I'm going upstairs. I don't want to be on this. <laughs> Not like that, Emily. He said it a lot kinder. <laughs> Emily, how was your week? Good. I I didn't realize you pressed record until you were introducing my husband, and then I was like, here we are. We're here. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> this is this Oh man, is it was a good week. It was a good week. We had friends in town and we start at homeschool, so we start school tomorrow. So I was getting ready for that. So ready for routine. We're oh, done with summer, fun. actually. Oh, I'm good. sorry. Good no, it's 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 time. It is time. Okay. <laughs> My good. kids, they need routine. Yep. Good. I get good. it now. Like we're at the age where I get it. Why parents are like, okay, it's time for my kids to go back to school because they need them to. For me, it's I don't get to send them somewhere. It's just we get to change things up a little bit. I dig it. I love it. (laughs) Um, If you could go on vacation, like a bucket list vacation, what would your bucket list vacation be? The countryside of France. That's like really. I mean, I'll go to Paris. Sure. I mean, if if someone was sending me, yeah, I'm gonna go. But dream like the countryside. Go to the cute little chateaus and like eat at the farmer's markets and they have these antique I forget what they're called in French but these antique sales <laughs> I think they're called French sales <laughs> it's all like old French furniture and baskets and you know yeah or England I go anywhere in England oh okay yeah what about you uh safari what for Definitely. real yeah a safari for for serious for serious for the animals for sure. or for the for the landscape. Well, um, yes, I so I have friends in Uganda, and they actually have they call it a poor man's safari that you can go on. <laughs> and I don't know why they say poor man's safari because I've never been on one, so I wouldn't know what to expect. So it would be amazing no matter what, right? Yeah. But um, I guess, yeah, safari. Hands down. Or, like, I know this sounds crazy, but, like, straight up just going right into the jungle and just, like, <laughs> being in a rainforest jungle. I don't know. Disease, and that's all I think about. <laughs> nah, you get shots. You know what I mean? Like, you get vaccinated before you go. But, like, yeah. I just, I think that would be so cool um, because it's so different than southern ohio and it would be just like a completely <laughs> different experience and that, on vacation I went, that's the oh, difference between you and me you're the like wild adventure and i'm gonna go antiquing <laughs> i don't know about wild adventure but i just or or i have so many i okay i was actually talking to my husband and we are this is really happening we are budgeting we're starting to save so that 
I can go on a dig, an archaeological dig. What? Where? Yes. Um, I don't know where yet, but I know that they're going to be around five to $10,000. So that's a ridiculous oh. amount of money. Well, that's for like the really fancy ones. You could probably do it for a couple grand. I actually, so I took an archaeology class in grad school and okay. um, I was invited on a dig in class. And so I have wanted to go ever since. I, I won't yeah. stop talking about it. And um, I'm, I've actually been talking to the Bull Movement executive team about the possibility of like, you know how people go on like Israel tours, trying to figure out how we could do like an archaeological dig yeah. where we just yeah. like visited a site and like right. dug for a couple hours. I don't even know you could do that. I thought you had to be like an archaeologist. You, you had to be an archaeologist to like set it up to be able to like decipher the material, but anybody can be part of the dig. Yeah. So what would be like your dream thing to find? I mean, like if we could go back in time, I would have loved to have discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even a dig. There's like no backbreaking efforts. It's just like walking into no, a cave because I kicked a soccer ball in there. Old boy, wasn't it? Yeah, like little kids playing soccer or something. So I don't know. Um, I, I kind of dig the whole, like, Egypt stuff, yeah. like, like, um, pyramids, and I just think that stuff's fascinating. I was watching, um, different things about how they built the pyramids, and, like, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I just think it's really fascinating. People are like, I'm oh, aliens! <laughs> and I'm like, maybe, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you don't want to be rude you don't want to be like it was not aliens it was the slaves of the hebrew children no. you know like i'm not gonna be that person but i did i i saw something fascinating and there's a theory that the year there's like a magnetic force a magnetic field that helped make the stones lighter almost in in the way that they were using them so it's just it's really interesting stuff I have no idea because I'm not an archaeologist, but I actually did look at going to school for it. Not going to lie. We we talked about it a lot, my husband and I. And he said, awesome. you, you got to choose bold movement or school for archaeology. And I was like, school for archaeology, definitely. And he was like, Megan! He goes, it's he always says, honey, it's not what you think it is. And I said, oh, it'd be great. I'll just put the Indiana Jones movie <laughs> score in my AirPods, in my, in my headphones. And as I'm digging, you know, I'll find the hole that just sinks into the ground where this mysterious tomb is. And then I'll know exactly what to do because I watched Indiana Jones so I can avoid all the snakes the arrows it'll be magnificent don't remove the wrong thing with the wrong weight it's okay because i know how to run away from the rolling balls then you're good yeah (laughs) so anybody who wants to vacation with me let's do it any you know but i i uh for what it's worth we've been like trying to like 
redo a couple offices. And by redo, I mean clean it and maybe put a coat of paint on it. That's what I mean by redo. (laughs) And I say a couple offices. It's one room in my house. (laughs) (laughs) But I kept Pinteresting like English cottages, French countryside homes, just for inspiration of the color that I'm going to paint my wall. That's my, my, all of my Pinterest is basically the countryside of somewhere. Europe, anywhere. Well, then I was like, forget this. I'm just going to Emily's Instagram and just screenshooting her house and say, this is what I want. (laughs) Her bed and breakfast, that's what I want my whole house to look like. (laughs) Or your uh, Airbnb. It is a bed and breakfast. I got a bed and breakfast when I went. You're right. You you are the only one that gets breakfast when you oh, come. Oh, sorry, guys. I oversold it. No breakfast for you. I give out snack bars, so there's the incentive there. I don't know. I The whole family was just so great. It was, if you guys need a Airbnb, it was, and that bed was probably the most comfortable bed I've ever slept in, and I came and in actually, when I was like, It's the most comfortable bed in our house. Is it really? <laughs> it was our, it's our it's our old bed. I say old, I mean like we had a queen and then we had kids, so we got a king. So it's yeah. a nice quality bed. We couldn't afford the nice quality king size one, so we're like, we'll keep the queen one for our guests. And then we put like a topper on it, and it's it's heavenly. It's like oh my gosh, sleeping on clouds. And I tried to make the bed when I was done because that's what I thought you're supposed to do. Because like I don't I don't know like. When I stayed with, like, my grandma or whatever, she was always like, no, 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 clean the sheets. But then she, like, I don't know. I just, I didn't know. Do I take the sheets off to help you? Do I make the bed? I just didn't want you to think I was a sloppy guest. You weren't. You were great. No, I usually just have people just leave them, and then I get it. Cool. Well, if you want bedding. Speaking of bedding and (laughs) vacation, let's dive into Hosea chapter 9 smooth every time i got the best segues dude you do it's something (laughs) i'll give you that it is something (laughs) oh my goodness so we're starting with chapter nine right i am really excited because i feel like we're getting into some really good stuff we are yeah okay cool you want me to start it or you start it Go for it. Okay. I am reading from the New Living Translation. Unlike last week, I will not be doing it in spoken word slam <laughs> poetry style because I was mocked. I'm sure so all of you listening are severely disappointed. I'm disappointed. First one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people of Israel, do not rejoice as other nations do, for you have been unfaithful to your God. Hiring yourselves out like prostitutes, worshiping other gods on every threshing floor. Holy cow. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to say your notes first or do you want me to? I can say mine since you read. Do it, girl. Um, just that they were being commanded not to rejoice over, like to celebrate like other nations were celebrating because they were held to a higher standard. They were not supposed to be doing the things they were doing. And while other nations were celebrating all of the 
um, altars and things that they were sacrificing on, God's saying, this is not, this is not for you. This is not what I have for you. Absolutely. Um, so as we've talked about in basically every episode leading up to this, <laughs> Israel has started doing what the pagan nations that are surrounding them are doing. And at this point, um, remember, it's a it's a heavily agriculture community. Agri- how, agricultural. how would you say Agricultural community? <laughs> I was trying to say, like, <laughs> it's an agri- I was like, it's an aggregated. <laughs> That's not the word. <laughs> <laughs> it's an agricultural community. And they are growing harvests through worshiping their fertility gods. That's what the mm-hmm. pagan nations are doing. And Israel is joining in on this. So um, Garrett, D.A. Garrett says, in the same manner, the church, and I thought this was really good because it's very applicable to today. In the same manner, the church cannot do itself or anyone else any good if it tries to be something that it's not. Mm. When salt loses its flavor, it becomes entirely worthless. And that's from Matthew 5.13. But when we act like the pagans, nations surrounding us, which in this instance, it's acting like the culture that does not reflect God, um, we're going to, we're not going to be able to do anything. We're not going to do anyone good, including ourselves. Yep. Yep. Held to a different standard. That is good. I've got um, verses three through five next. I don't know what you've got. I have verse two, you know, because after one is two. <laughs> I'm just skipping two, you know. It, it was a. There's a couple where no. I'm like, I skipped a couple verses later on, so don't worry. <laughs> but I do have a huge thing for two. Go for it. Uh, okay, so now your harvests will be too small to feed you. There will be no grapes for making new wine. Okay, um, I thought this was really interesting. I'm, it's, uh, oh gosh, from the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery. I was like, I don't know where I got this. I just saw it from the Dictionary of Biblical, Biblical Imagery. Um, I looked up wine because uh, grapes and wine are talked a lot, talked about mm-hmm. a lot in this chapter. And I was like, I am not. I'm missing something. I'm not a big wine drinker. I don't live in like a wine uh, household. Like we might have a red wine with spaghetti, but we're not like connoisseurs where I know deep meanings of it. And I was like, I know there's something here. And there was so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. It says due to its close relationship to the ongoing life of the community, wine becomes an association with grain and oil. Okay. A technical term for the covenant blessings promised by God to Israel for obedience and withheld by God for disobedience. Mm. These terms will often be found linked in texts relating their presence or absence to God's provision or punishment and to Israel's obedience or covenant breaking. The basis for this is found in the covenant blessings and cursings of Deuteronomy 28 through 29. If Israel breaks covenant, they will, quote, plant vineyards and cultivate them, but not drink the wine. Nations, end quote. (laughs) Nations will be sent who will, quote, leave you no grain, new wine, or oil, end quote. And that's Deuteronomy 28, 39, and 51. The prophets continue the theme of wine as a sign of covenant blessing in both its presence and its absence. 
And not only that, but I was looking at, okay, where did they use that? Like, um, well, we'll do that later because that actually goes <laughs> with another section. But anyway, there's it's in Joel. It's in Hosea. It's throughout mm-hmm. the entire Old Testament where they show that, like, you will not get wine, the good wine. You'll plant the vineyards and you're not going to get wine. And it's literally constantly related to the presence of God as well and uh, his covenant blessing and like obedience versus disobedience, which I thought was fascinating. Okay. I'm done now. I love it. See, we needed to go through two. Sorry. I missed it. (laughs) No, I just, I think, I mean, that could have literally been with any verse because it's about wine, but I just thought it was really interesting that here specifically it's like, wine and not receiving it is associated with their disobedience just like I mean that was really interesting to me yeah I love it okay you said three through five yes three through five (laughs) no I truly missed I missed two I didn't even realize we didn't read it okay three through five I'll just read them and then we can break it down however you have it broken down um I have the ESV so it says, they shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall, shall return to Egypt and they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord and their sacrifices shall not please him. It shall be like mourners bread to them. All who eat of it shall be defiled for their bread shall be for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord for, let's see. What will you do on the day of the appointed festival and on the day of the feast of the Lord? So I'm trying to figure out why I have three through five to get. Oh, no. Okay. So part of my note talks um, about five connecting to the other one. So that's why I had three through five. Um, But I just want to talk about this whole idea that because of what they had done, not only would they um, be taken into captivity as a consequence, but because of that captivity, they wouldn't even be able to... um, have the option to follow the Lord's customs because they would be outside of where they could serve him and sacrifice him the way that they were supposed to. And so even if they wanted to um, follow the law exactly as it was supposed to be, they couldn't because they were in captivity and they weren't in the land that the Lord had promised them yet. So, um, but on my notes, it says, this is from the Expositor's Bible Commentary. It says the rhetorical question in verse 5 puts vividly the plight of Israel captive in Assyria without temple or sacrifices and so unable to celebrate the commanded feasts and festivals. So I had written down because of their captivity, they would no longer be able to live by the Lord's customs. They wouldn't even have the choice to follow the law. So, yeah. Um, okay. So verse three, I have that, this, hmm. I don't know. I, oh, uh, famine here. It's like regarding famine is a precursor for military defeat and exile, according to Garrett, which I thought was really interesting. But I want to go to chapter mm-hmm. or verse four real quick because I, there's this completely stood out to me. It talks about um, none of your sacrifices will please him. Uh, talking about God, that reminded me of Psalm 51 um, in verse 16 and 17. And like, don't call me a heretic, guys. But I'm going to read from the message because I really like the way that the message translates these verses. You heretic. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love the message. I think everyone should like just back off a little bit. Okay. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's paraphrased. So don't study with it. But I don't think that means like we need to burn right. it. Okay. Yes. I agree. If that I were agree. the case, like you could never give a child a children's Bible. Okay. Yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. Go on. <laughs> So Psalm 51, 16 and 17 from the message says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. In contrast here, in contrast to this, he's not going to accept your um, your sacrifice because the sacrifices that God wants is us like it's 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 everything we have in us given to him and if you look um this is the part where i kind of wanted to show you guys throughout uh scripture throughout the especially like leviticus when they're talking about the burnt offerings it talks about it being a pleasing aroma or odor to Mm -hmm. the lord and that is like spoken so many times it's in leviticus 23 leviticus 26 Numbers 15, Numbers 18, Numbers 28, Numbers 29, Ezekiel 6, Ezekiel 16, Ezekiel 20. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on about um, places in scripture that says, um, like here, all who are native shall do these things in this way, an offering, an offering by fire, a pleasing odor to the Lord or a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the reason I bring that up is because when you read in the Old Testament places where the sacrifice is pleasing to God and it is something that he wants, it's a pleasing aroma or smell, um, it's always in uh, connection or conjunction with doing something glorifying to God. And mm-hmm. here he is completely not accepting their sacrifices because it's the complete opposite of glorifying him. It's dishonoring. It's um, just really nasty and rude what Israel's mm-hmm. doing. And then yeah. let's move on to verse five. Fun fact, just because Israel is embracing Baal does not necessarily mean that she is rejecting Yahweh. Hmm. So hear me out because everyone's like, but if you're like worshiping another God, you're rejecting God because you can't serve two masters. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But hear me out. Israel doesn't, I don't think Israel 100% realizes what she's doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So don't misunderstand. Israel is definitely apostate at this point, but they think they're still okay because they're honoring the mm-hmm. festivals of God and they think that's enough yeah. to be pleasing to God. And this is, uh, Hosea conveying to them, no, it is not about what you do. It's not about the motions you go through. It's not about showing up at church every Sunday and volunteering. It's about a heart bent toward worship of God, committing and devoting allegiance to Christ. That is what God looks for. And I just yeah. wanted that to be like stated here. Um, what then will you do on festival days? How will you observe the Lord's festivals? If your heart is not loving and honoring God, he doesn't care what you're doing on festival days. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if you're going to church. Right. Now, that being said, if you're an obedient Christian, you need to be in church. Yeah. And if you don't feel like it or you're having, you need to be in church, but you need to make mm-hmm. sure that your spiritual disciplines are being practiced and that your mm-hmm. heart matches what Christ wants it to look like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even the importance importance of seeing that he has, at this point, he's going to strip away all of their ability to have those sacrifices because 
if that's all it's about, then it's like, then we're doomed, you know? Like, why yes. would God do that if it's all about the sacrifices? But it's not. It's his way of saying, I want your heart. I don't want your blood offerings and your grain offerings. I don't want those things. I mean, I do if your heart's right, but it's not about that. It's about your heart and where you are with me. And so for him to strip that away from them, I think is his way of saying like, this is where I'm trying to turn you around. And I think that even happens today. Like not that God, you know, purposefully gives us these horrible life situations, but I think he uses that to turn our hearts towards him, that he, he doesn't want us to just go to church just to go to church. He wants us, like you said, to go to church because we love him and because we want to worship him with other believers. So yeah, that's good. It's not either or. Right. It's not, it's both and, and you got to yes. have both. Yep. Yep. Okay. I agree. Um, verses six through. Did you freeze on my end? No, I was looking at my notes because like I put my note under all of those verses and I was like, which verses are grouped together? I don't know what I did there, but I have verse six where um, I'm going to pull an Emily and say, oh, I have seven through nine. (laughs) Go for it. Go for it. Because the only thing for six that I have is that the first line is hard to translate. That's what I'm (laughs) Yeah, I have. I just have a quick thing for six that's really not even. Yeah, go ahead and read if you want to do six through nine or whatever you had. Yeah, okay, go for cool. it. Even if you escape destruction from Assyria, Egypt will conquer you and Memphis will bury you. Nettles will take over your treasures of silver. Thistles will invade your ruined homes. The time of Israel's punishment has come. The day of payment is here. Soon, Israel will know this all too well because of your great sin and hostility. You say, the prophets are crazy and the inspired men are fools. The prophet is a watchman over Israel for my God, yet traps are laid for him wherever he goes. He faces hostility even in the house of God. The things my people do are so depraved as what they did in Gebeah long ago. God will not forget. He will not surely punish them. He will surely punish them for their sins. Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot on verse 9 of a lot that I want to get into. I don't know if you do too. I have not a lot. So I'll do mine real quick so you can have the four. Yeah. Sure. Like I said, six verse 6, the first line is challenging to translate from Hebrew. But we said this is one of those difficult books to translate. Um, here I have – well – I don't know that I can really like say this because it's more about how it looks. It's one of those, uh, it, it's, I don't know. How do I say this? Garrett, let me just read what Garrett says and then I'll, then I'll see if I can see if express, I can express this. this. He says, once again, Hosea has taxed translators to the limit with his elliptical style. Style that is at the same time both elusive and elusive. Interpreters differ over the syntactical structure of parts of the text and some propose emendations. But here's the thing. I wanted to show the, the parts that go with each other. So, like, I have days of punishment have come and then days of retribution have come. Let hmm. Israel know 
the prophet is fool. The man of the spirit is mad. And then because your iniquity is abundant and because of the abundance of your hatred, and then Ephraim's watchman is with God and prophet, like they go with each other. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I was like, I put that cause I thought it was really cool. But now I'm like, how do you like say that? It's more about how it looks. <laughs> yeah. That, I guess. Yeah. It's good. No, it's not. It made no sense. Gosh. It, it does when you're reading it. So hopefully all you ladies have your Bibles open and you can see what she's talking about because it does make sense if you're looking at it. Yeah. And something new we're doing, ladies. I'm going to take a five-second break here and throw out a little commercial for our Patreon. On Patreon, you can now see our notes behind the scenes. Bet you didn't know that, Emily. She knew it. What? Uh, am I freaking up? I'm freezing. on my own. Sorry. Okay. So on Patreon, you can now see behind the scenes, and that is behind the scenes on podcast episodes just like this one. You'll be able to see our notes anytime we speak um, at different events. You'll be able to see our notes on that information. You'll be able to see how our team comes up with designs for our t-shirts and all of the goodies as well as tons of other factors. And you can join us on Patreon for so little as $5 a month to so great as $50 a month. And you can do that at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash The Bold Movement. Please help us out because we are a ministry that needs money. And you benefit. You send us money and you there benefit. You have it. <laughs> we all benefit. It's a cycle. We all benefit. And the word of God gets promoted. Now, Emily, what are your notes on verse 9? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give a little preface here that these notes are a little intense. Um, so if you do have little ones listening, I would recommend uh, not letting them listen. Um, because I have a reference to what this is talking to you. And my purpose is to show how corrupt they really were. I think it's important that you understand when God um, brings punishment on people, it is not unjust. He is a just God. And so um, so it references in verse nine, the days of Gebeah, 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 however you pronounce that. Uh, and that actually is a reference to Judges 19 right in there. And um it's talking about this this town of Gebeah, and there were these men, and I'll just give kind of the long story short. They committed this awful crime. There was a, um, uh, I believe it was a Levite who had a guest in their house, and these men um, basically were knocking on the door because they wanted to sleep with the guest, so men wanting to sleep with men. Uh, the, the owner of the home said, you can't have my guests. You can't have my guests. You need to leave. They refused to leave. And so he's like, Hey, you can have my virgin daughter and you can have my concubine instead. They still refuse to leave. And so he throws out his concubine to these men and they rape her the entire night until she dies. And so then the owner of the house finds her in the morning, lying on the doorstep dead and he cuts her to pieces and sends the pieces of her body all throughout throughout Israel as like a lesson. I don't know. Um, so it's really messed up, like a really messed up story. And uh, but it's a picture of how far 
Israel had gone, that they're even being compared to this, this, these days, they were corrupted. I mean, when it, my, my version says they've deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. And so this isn't just like, oh, they were worshiping other gods. Um, I mean, they were truly deeply corrupted to the point of like, can't even handle themselves to not rape somebody all night long. So um, I just thought that was important to note that it's kind of a heavy, deep thing, but I think it's, it's, it's important to know how corrupt Israel had become. And it also shows the grace of God that he's willing to redeem them even after they had wandered so far from him. Something else I want to point out about that story in Judges, even though we're not talking about that, it is brought up. If you notice in Judges, there's not really condemnation against the woman as a concubine. It's condemnation against the men who did what was inappropriate and what they were not supposed to be doing. Um, And a Levite who is like, that's the, that's the tribe that the priests come from. Right. And Mm -hmm. so um, I just think it's really important to note that the woman was not to blame. And I think we're all going to say hallelujah. Amen. But I just want that to be confirmed again. It didn't matter what her job was. It didn't matter what she wore the men were the ones that God was mad at. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was the victim. I mean, they threw her literally to the wolves. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. I have, I have just notes on verse 10. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. Do you want to read it or you want me to? I can read it. Go for it. Um, it says, like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel, like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season. I, I saw your fathers, but they came to Baal, Pe- I don't know how to pronounce that, Baal Peor, Peor? Baal and consecrated Peor. Them- <laughs> Baal. I always feel like a sheep, like Baal. Every Baal. time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And we just need like a little sound effect that goes every time we have to read that word. Okay. And consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they loved. Okay. I just wanted to kind of point this out. I thought it was really interesting. So uh, you don't find grapes in the desert. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I literally wrote down, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a really cool title. Like for like a book or maybe an article, which is more practical, but like grapes in the desert. So that oh, might be yeah. the title of this podcast for your article. <laughs> I just love that. It really stood out to yeah. me, Grapes in the Desert. Mm-hmm. And it stood out even more because of what it's talking about. The Grapes in the Desert um, would have been such a fantastic find. It would have been like a feast to someone wandering and traveling through the desert because it's not something you're going to find. And then it goes on the first fruits of the fig tree, um, the first ripe figs of the season. Um you got to remember, they did not have transportation the way that we do right now. And so they were not able to quickly transport from areas where um, fruits were available all season or whatever. They wouldn't be able to tra- uh, transport that to foreign places the way mm. that we can today. So if you wanted a specific fruit, it had to be in season or you had to be in that region to be able to eat it. And so what it's saying is you've waited all this time, right? And then you take a bite of this first fruit. It's like the first ripe, um, the the trees are finally producing the fruit. You've waited all year long for this season and you eat it and it's so good. 
but then it's gone again and you've had your fill and it dies and you have to wait all season again. That's what this is talking about. Um, is really when I first found you, it was exciting. It was this delicious fruit. It was brand new and it tasted good after longing and all these things. Um, but then you became bile and fruit rots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't need any rots and that's, um, what's happening here. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it's, uh, in DA Garrett again, in his commentary, he said, Figs would have been especially delightful to people who had not had any for almost a year. By the end of the season, everyone had eaten their filled figs. The pleasure would have worn off. The point of both metaphors is that Israel and her youth was a special source of delight to God. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, I've got 11 through 12 next on mine. Same. I do too. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Ephraim's glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Even if they bring up children, I will bereave them until none is left. Woe to them when I depart from them. Um, so I have uh, part of Israel's blessing was that they they were able to multiply. Like God's blessing on them was that they would have children as many as the stars of the sky, that they would uh, there be so many of them, but the consequence of turning from him here is that their numbers would go down. So even those that were born would die before reaching adulthood in many cases. So, um, I mean, the question I, I had for myself is why would God multiply people who don't follow him? So it's, it's natural that a consequence would be that he would not multiply them because why make more of somebody who is, who's not willing to be obedient and follow? <laughs> My only comment here is that um, sometimes we take things out of context. So the glory of Israel finally like a bird. Um, I don't want that glory to be confused with like success and wealth. The glory Mm. that's talking, being talked about here is God himself. Yeah. And that's confirmed in the latter part of verse 12. That's all. Yeah, that's good. 13 to 14. That's it, babe. Okay. Um, Ephraim, as I have seen, was like a young palm planted in a meadow, but Ephraim must lead his children out to slaughter. Give them, O Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. So it's kind of, at least from what I had in notes, you might have more, but it's it's really the same as what I, I had seen it as the same as what I had written before, just kind of continuous about um, their consequences and not being able to multiply and um, they'd be, uh, seeing death a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I have that the same, I shouldn't say same, but similar language is used in Genesis 49, 25. And so what he's saying here is rhetorical and basically it's, uh, well, one, it's rhetorical Two, It's suggesting that God undo the blessing of Jacob because in Genesis 49, it Mm -hmm. says, uh, Jacob will be blessed through his kids and all that stuff, but um, blessings of the breasts and of the womb is what the specific wording is. And so mm-hmm. here it's like Hosea saying, you know, oh Lord, what should I request for your people? He's not actually saying, you know, what do I request? Right. That's the yeah. rhetorical part. But then I will ask for wombs and don't give birth and breasts that give no milk. That's undo your blessing you gave to Jacob because these people suck. 
<laughs> that would be the, that'd be the message the message version right <laughs> that's right oh goodness okay 15 through 16 okay the lord says all their wickedness began at gilgal there i began to hate them i will drive them from my land because of the evil because of their evil actions i will love them no more because all their leaders are rebels the people of israel are struck down their roots are dried up and they will bear no more fruit and if they give birth i will slaughter their beloved children that's heavy language <laughs> so i have um for verse 15 gilgal that was the center for false worship so um the, every evil of theirs is in Gilgal. It's just referring to the, that center of worship for them. But the meaning I have, let's see, from the Expositor's Bible Commentary, it says the meaning of hate here in context is defined by the words, I will no longer love them. It was not that God had a positive animosity toward them, but that he had nothing favorable to say of them. Um, so it's not that he is uh, hateful in the way that I think that we think of hate like that there's animosity. That's a good word for it that they wrote already. But it's that there was nothing good to say. There just was no, nothing favorable about them. The only thing I have here is from verse 16. Um, it talks about the people of Israel struck down, their roots are dried up and they will bear no fruit. And that's literally, it could be talking about famine. But then as you mm -hmm. continue on, and if they give birth, also their children. I think metaphorically, I, I think it's, literal and metaphorical here i think he's yeah. using it for both literally mm -hmm. he's talking about a famine you're going to dry up you're not going to have access to food but metaphorically i think it's also um when you talk about bearing children you can say the fruit of your mm -hmm. um life you know the fruit of your loin whatever um yeah. and so here it's it's talking about both i think yeah yeah and i think too because like that the language of children being slaughtered you know, when I first read that, I that was my thought was it's harsh. That's a really harsh language. But I think it's also important to note that while probably literal children did die, the idea is the generations would be diminished specifically through war, murder, civil strife, those kinds of things, basically leaving them to their own destruction. So, um, you know, I think we could, a lot of people could use that as like an abortion type topic, but I think it's, that's not the meaning here. That's taking it out of context. What it's meaning here is, you know, the continuing generations will not be <laughs> blessed. And that's not necessarily talking about literal children. I mean, I think in some senses it probably did happen, but it's the children of Israel implying that, that familial, yeah, generational thing. So. Absolutely. And then verse 17, my God will reject the people of Israel because they will not listen or obey. They will be wanderers, homeless among the nations. And again, I just think it's so important for Israel to have a home and to, to mm -hmm. feel like they have a home. So the fact that they're wanderers, again, like they yeah. were for 40 years in the desert, yeah. I think that's kind of like a... Uh, yep. All right, Emily, you got anything else for us? That's all I got. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for being a part of the Bold Movement by listening to our podcast, Talk Bible to Me. We would greatly appreciate it once again if you would check out our Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com 
forward slash the bold movement. We have plans ranging from $5 a month to $50 a month. And this helps us out so much. So please check that out. And I uh, can't wait to talk to you guys next week when we dive in chapter 10. Emily, say goodbye to the folks. Girls, go out and be bold and weird. <laughs>